0: Well, we're gonna do this. I feel like this one's gonna get me in some trouble. Hey everyone, this is Chris, and you're listening to One Cross Radio. And today we are joined by nobody, it's just me. Uh, Dear listener, you might hear our frequent guest and co-host Luna, she is chewing on a bone in the background, and then she'll probably wanna come over to me and get some love. you also might hear Jill, uh, the wonderful, reacting to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, and you might hear me just uh, reacting to her reactions, because I love her laugh. It's it's precious to me. Anyways, uh, today we are diving into um, a post that I did a while ago. Um, last year, actually, almost to the day. Um, where last year on the website, I did a series of four posts ranking the star trek films and i've been on an on and off trek kick so i've kind of been wanting to revisit this so we're gonna do this now uh, trekkies please please don't hate me um (laughs) we can all have our own opinions um and i i get that some of these films are uh the order they're in are probably gonna upset some hardcore trekkies um i really wish i was using the intro to hot takes with billy business um but the, the um, these are my opinions, and basically, outside of a couple, where these sit are basically how much I enjoyed them, and I'm not necessarily saying like this film is better a better made film than this. Now, certain one of them, certain ones, absolutely, um, especially the the twelfth one. I think that one's gonna that one's gonna be obvious. So, don't hate me. <laughs> Let's get into it. <clears throat> So we're going from least enjoyable or worst to, uh, to most enjoyable slash best. So kicking off the list at least enjoyable slash worst is Star Trek V The Final Frontier. Um, I really don't think any this is going to be a surprise to anybody, especially any Trekkies who have watched the films. Um, there's, there really isn't much to say about this one that hasn't already been said. Like, uh, to be perfectly frank, this, this film is terrible. There's not anything really good here. Um, the story is really awful. The acting is bland. The, the effects are terrible. It's, it's just bad. Um, it is almost universally considered the worst Trek film, and for a reason. Um, like, whatever Shatner was going for, uh, who I'll jokingly call uh, Captain Director... Uh, captain director kirk whatever he was aiming for here he didn't hit the mark um and he's even said like things went wrong with this movie um and the thing is this isn't even in so bad it's good territory it's literally just straight up the worst um include a character um sprock's brother uh or something i can't even remember his name um there's hover boots uh when someone's climbing a mountain it's, it's just terrible. Uh, so it sits at the bottom of the list, this list. Number 11 is uh, Star Trek The Motion Picture. And to me, it makes sense for this to be here. I know some will disagree. Uh, heck, I was even talking about this with a buddy earlier today, uh, Shadow Kyle. Um, he, he had said, well, like, Trek The Motion Picture, if there wasn't Trek The Motion Picture, there wouldn't have been any of the preceding ones. And... Uh, not really, uh, because Trek the motion picture, what it was, there almost wasn't any other Trek movies, um, and the reason it it like it didn't do well, basically, Paramount had canceled Trek. It was doing well in syndication. They were toying with the idea of doing a new series, um, and then Star Wars dropped, and suddenly sci-fi was the hottest thing, and then Paramount sitting there like, wait, don't we own something, Star and uh sci fi uh that a lot of people love so then they decided to do truck the motion picture. They broadened Roddenberry. There was so many uh behind the scenes issues. There was constant rewrites, tensions, butting of heads between uh Roddenberry and other writers, Roddenberry and execs, execs and writers. Like it was a mess behind the scenes. Um and what we got in the end was so bloody boring um like it really really is if if you could it's it's not the right kind of trek like people can point to trek as something slow and there's a good slow burn but this is just slow it's not even good talky trek where it's about something deeper it's it's just really slow there's no sense of excitement or adventure uh you could sum it up as a bunch of annoyingly slow glory shots of the refit Enterprise moving th- slowly through space. It's it's just really, really boring. It's a much better made film than Trek 5, but it pales in comparison to, with the exception of Trek 5, every subsequent sequel. Um, yeah, It as I was talking with my buddy Kyle earlier about this, he... It's kind of like a lot of Trekkies rank Into Darkness in The Dead Last. And I'm going to tell you all now, um, Into Darkness and none of the Calvin timeline even crack uh, the top half of this list. Take that for what you will. But Trek The Motion Picture, for those that enjoy it, I'm happy for you. Um, but to me, it is, it, it's very boring and the behind-the-scenes drama shows in this movie. The good thing we got from it... <laughs> One's gonna. We got two of the good things from it. And this is going to sound like a slam, um, which it technically is, but I don't fully mean it that way. Because it underperformed, Roddenberry was barred from production of future Star Trek movies. Um, and to me, that was legitimately only a good thing. Um, because Trek the Motion Picture was everything he wanted it to be. If Roddenberry was still involved in production, we would not have gotten Wrath of Khan. We wouldn't have gotten The Voyage Home. We wouldn't have gotten First Contact. We wouldn't have gotten any of the better Trek films. Even some of the worst Trek films weren't as bad as this one. And the other great thing we got out of this was the score by Jerry Goldsmith. It was a wonderful score, and it gave us that amazing theme song for Next Generation. All right, next up is uh, we're switching to the... uh, the next-gen chapter of the franchise, because the Star Trek film franchise really has three, the TOS era, which was films one through six, Um, the next generation, which was uh, four through ten, and and, then the Kelvin timeline, which only has three films. There was going to be four, but there's not. And whatever the heck uh, Quentin Tarantino is going to work on, I have no idea where that falls into things. All right, so the one we're looking at as... The next worst is Star Trek Nemesis. Um, And this is, again, one where I think, what can I say that hasn't already been said about Nemesis? It was a real misfire. Um, It wasn't as bad as The Final Frontier or as boring as The Most in Picture. But it's, it's not a good film. I can't remember the name of the director, but he made some very questionable choices. A lot of the stuff feels off. The writing isn't solid. And it, it is a bit of a mess. Um, the cast all feel really strongly about it, um, that it's not what it should have been. And it really wasn't the note that those characters should have gone out on. Now, that's not to say that everything in here is bad. Um, data... Data sacrificing himself and dying. That's a great idea. And the execution was alright. Troy and Riker getting married is awesome. Riker and finally moving on. Some of the themes of the crew splitting up. The family growing. uh, Those were all good. Tom Hardy and I think his first feature. That was a great idea. But the execution was flawed. You can look up on YouTube. um, Tom Hardy's audition across Patty stew, uh, and the acting there is tremendous. Not that his acting in, in the film is bad, but the director wanted to go in a different take, and when you see that first take, you're just like, oh man, that's so much better. Um, the young Picard clone idea with Tom Hardy's character of Shizon is, is, was interesting. Not necessarily executed the best, but still really interesting. Yeah, it, it, It is a mixed bag, um, and a lot of people point to its failure as, and then um, uh, it as a big contributor to Trek's uh, cancellation uh, with Enterprise. I don't think you can put it entirely on Nemesis, um, just because as great as it was where you got an uninterrupted, almost 16-year run of Trek, uh, I think there was a lot of burnout going on on the film front, uh, on the show front, because it was next-gen then concurrently with the S 9 then concurrently with Voyager, and then Enterprise right after Voyager. When you look at the ratings, uh, each show, like, viewership was dropping in comparison. And the season-to-season comparisons are dropping even more. Um, audience, like, I think the audience was getting oversaturated with Trek. Um, absence does make the heart grow fonder. So, you... Like I'm sure a better film coming out then uh, would have done better, but I'm not sure. Everybody points to Nemesis as something that killed the franchise. Uh, If the franchise could survive Trek 5 and continue after the motion picture, uh, we can't just point it at Nemesis. Um, And Enterprise only got better by the time it got to its its last seasons, but people were generally burned out on it. So I I don't think we can throw it all at this, but the crew deserved a better note to go out on. Alright, next up we are switching back to the original series. And you'll notice with the original series, it's showing up a fair bit. But that's because it has the most movies. Uh, So sitting in ninth place, uh, I have Star Trek The Search for Spock. And Search for Spock is alright. There's some really good stuff uh, in it with Bones going crazy due to Spock's living spirit or his Katra. um, Which Spock implanted in him in The Wrath of Khan. Um, The plot with the crew objecting to Starfleet orders and breaking them is great. Uh, The destruction of the Enterprise scene is so well done. It's, I think it's the moment that stands from that movie for everybody. Heck, when you even search, search for Spock on YouTube and most sites, the first thing it takes you to is that scene where they've sacrificed the Enterprise A to take out the Klingons, the Enterprise to take out the Klingons, and it's like, what have we done? Um there's some really good stuff. Uh, and the Genesis stuff going haywire is also great. But the rest is kind of blah. Uh, Spock coming back is spoiled by the title, and it would have been a much better surprise if it was if we didn't know what it was going in. I don't have any suggestions as to what the title could have been, but it kind of gives it away, so a big moment that you could have felt, uh, you already knew was coming. Um, the recasting of lieutenant savick was distracting um ali uh no it's not Ellie larder i just can't remember her name but who played uh savick in the first one uh, i enjoyed more um not that the new actress was bad but it was just distracting it was one of those cases where you couldn't get past it um the killing of kirk's son who was a character we just met um in the last movie and it doesn't seem to impact Kirk deeply in this film is is something that is underserves both of those characters Um, overall it's a mixed bag and it's not one I can enjoy as much but unlike the previous three on this list this is one I'll actually be more inclined to sit down and watch every once in a while Uh, next up we are switching back to the next generation uh, of films we're talking about the First film in that part of the series, Star Trek Generations, which is another, it's an okay or all right Trek movie. Um, I'll say we're out of the really, really bad ones. Um, and these are, a bunch of the Trek films are, they're okay. Um, there's few really good ones. And then there's a bunch that are, yeah, they're all right. And then some just like, they're awful. The Trek franchise of films really shows a bunch of different Quality. Uh, hi, Loons. Hi. Um, sorry, Loons is pinned between my chair and the Christmas tree. Uh, where are we at? Yeah, so with Generations, it, it does have some good stuff. Um, seeing the Enterprise B was great. I love when we get to see some of those in-between Enterprises because we had the Enterprise, then the Refit, and then the Enterprise A. Uh, and then after that, we jumped to Next Gen, where we were at the D. And... I really loved seeing the enterprise B it was a cool ship, uh, see. And then in yesterday's enterprise, the episode where we saw the C I'm like, I want a mini series based on that crew. Um, but yeah, seeing the enterprise B and how Kirk died, uh, in quotations, saving it was interesting. Um, Picard coping with the death of a family member and then going through all that range of emotions was wonderful because Patty stew, sir, Patty stew is a great actor. Um, and notwithstanding the weird execution of it being at a bed and breakfast uh picard meeting kirk as the two most favorite captain as the two most famous captains in all of starfleet uh was a good moment uh, the nexus wa- the nexus ribbon was a cool idea uh the destruction of the enterprise d was really good in the movies when they do the destructions of the enterprise they re- that's where they deliver a lot um but although it's good stuff being said, uh, the f- the film does have flaws. It's really not the most interesting. At points, the pacing just lags and dies, and it becomes really boring. Um, <laughs> the way Kirk actually dies at the end of the movie is really lame. Uh, that it could he could have gotten a better standoff send off. Um, and what's interesting is this film was shot and developed simultaneously with. Uh, season seven of the next gen of next gen especially the finale and when you enter when you read interviews with the cast crew and producers and all that uh they're saying like we were stretched very thin because we were wrapping up like the runaway success uh revival show and they were wanting to nail the series finale and then at the same time trying to launch the crew onto the big screen and something give gave and Generations gave. Uh, they will say like the finale would have been a better movie than Generations. Um, not to say Generations is bad. Um, it's got some good stuff. Heck, there's a great episode from Hot Takes with Billy Business um, that talks about this episode that I'd really recommend checking out. Alright, next up is another one that's going to be a controversial one because it is, uh, it is considered one of the best of the original series. Um, but for me I have a big hang up. I'm talking about uh Star Trek IV, the Voyage Home. Um and here's my big ha- hang up. The presence is the the uh the premise is really dumb. Like really, really dumb. You can call this one Star Trek IV Save the Bloody Whales. Um it's I got no problem with saving whales, but Ugh. Okay, so in the movie, it's all about a satellite that's going towards Earth, that into the Milky Way Galaxy, that only speaks humpback whale. And if it doesn't get that in response, it starts destroying stuff. Um, it causes geostorms and ships to lose power because no humpback whales are answering its call. Which, uh, my brain hurts. Um, and the crew of the Enterprise, slash the Klingon warbird that they stole, they need to go back in time and save the whales my brain hurts more it was a very 80s movie and to the point that my joke is track 5 should have been called recycle because if we're going by over obvious 80s and 90s themes there we go and the score could have been done by wham Uh, the movie aside from the really dumb premise uh, there's a lot of good comedy in the crew going back in the '80s into San Francisco, and that's what people really liked about this movie, because it was the, it was the most accessible Star Trek movie. I think it I think up until some of the recent ones, it was the highest grossing and one of the most critically enjoyed because of how accessible it is uh doing a splitting up the crew across san francisco doing stories where spock's remembering who he is and then the the natural comedy that comes from being fish out of water looking at and then also looking at what we hope mankind will become and showing it against who we were at the time and not doing it preachily but doing it for laughs that's really enjoyable stuff um this isn't one i revisit the most though because i just i i can't get beyond the the premise i find it really really dumb uh mind like headache headache causing dumb if you're gonna do that you have to play up that premise for laughs and and they don't you can do big dumb and have it be awesome and fun while you still treat the big dumb part as big dumb and to this this is like no this is super shenanigans um so I, i can't get past that and that's why it ranks so low on this list all right, next up, and I know people will disagree with this one being so high or above uh, in quality, above the Voyage Home. Um, but next, I have uh, Star Trek Insurrection. It gets a lot of flack, but I still enjoy it. Um, like I said on a previous episode, in Michael Pillar's book um, Fade In about the writing of Insurrection, I read the initial pitch, and I'm like, that would have been a much better movie. Um, but it's still, to me, I still enjoy it. But it is, by all accounts. A basically a feature length episode of the series with a film's budget um seriously if this was delivered if next gen was coming out now and they did this on a streaming service i doubt anybody would complain they'd roll with it um but because it was a feature film with basically what felt like an episode's story which movies shouldn't be um it it does stick out for people um it's, it's not bad. I know a lot of people think it is, but to me it's not. Um, I think the feature length... It, the episode thing kind of worked with this, but it's not what everybody wanted. Um, but I get how they got there. With First Contact, which was written by uh, Jonathan Franks, uh, Frakes, a.k.a. Uh, Will Riker, uh, number one, um, he went big. And then with this one, which he also directed, he went small. Um and the nice thing was it it continued First Contact's trend of actually justifying Worf being there instead of on DS9. Um, the scene where Picard ditches the classical music to dance to the Mamba uh, was hilarious. The ethical dilemma of the Federation relocating people <clears throat> without asking is an interesting one. Um, and it, they justified why it got to a conflict, but I, I would have been interested in seeing... How the stuff not affecting the crew, how they could have resolved it, um, and it, I can't hate it. It brings Troy and Riker back together. It's the movie that finally got them back together. Um, but the downside is the main the main conflict is debatably weak. Um, the film doesn't have enough necessarily for people to sink their teeth into. There's stuff that would work in an episode that doesn't work as well in film. Uh, looking at you, Data singing number. Um, kind of fun, but it's not necessarily the best. Um it jumps for action where diplomacy was the name of Picard's game. And then the its most egregious offense is they have Riker shave his beard. No. That's a huge no. Riker has had his beard since season two. People don't take Riker seriously without his beard. That is not Will Riker without the beard. That beard is majestic. You do not take it away. Um yeah as much as I love TNG, uh, their movies, except for one, haven't been great. Um, and this, for me, it, this is the second best of the, the TNG films for me, but I I wanted better for those outings. All right. So now we're in the top six and, oh no, we're in the top five. And here's where the, I know this one's the, probably the most controversial placing. Uh, but here's where I'm going to put Star Trek Into Darkness. So, let's get it out of the way. It is incredibly... It is really, really flawed, but the thing is, I still like it. Um, its main problem is its reference to Wrath of Khan. Um, Trek 09 had some good, really good, and organic references to Wrath of Khan. Uh, the Kobayashi Maru, the putting bugs in your head that make you reveal information, a stronger villain who is exce- obsessed with vengeance, or wrath, um but they made it flip they made that fit Treko 09 without lifting exact plot points sp- like straight up same dialogue and scenes um also the creation of the personal transports is dumb cuz then why does anybody need ships um and the use of the super blood is is also dumb cuz now people can't die death is no longer a thing why is this not being produced on a wide scale um those are those are really weak um and neither are mentioned again so that makes it even worse um the film also repeats certain things (laughs) uh including from the fantastic score from trek 09 a little bit too much um and then finally on the false front is there was that carol marcus scene where she stripped down uh kind of in front of kirk for no reason um people tried to argue that it was empowering I don't see how. Um, it didn't. It, it served no purpose. Uh, excuse me a sec. I gotta let Luna out. Okay, and we're back. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> uh, with Trek 09, sorry, uh, Trek Into Darkness, the, good, the things I really liked about it, um, however, were the action was top-notch, the characters are a blast and used fairly well, incorporation of Section 31 worked. I really like Section 31 when it's used properly. Um, and the score were also still really good, although the score relied on Trek 09 a little too much. But the two best parts for me, though, were Benedict Cumberbatch's con and the growth of Kirk. Uh, I've talked to people and a bunch of Trekkies which suggest that you ignore this film and go from Trek 09 into Trek Beyond, which to me is too huge a jump because there's a huge jump from cocky i'm right you're wrong kirk from trek 09 to the loving and weary leader leader kirk and beyond uh, and to me you'd feel like you're missing a step of this progression and that's this movie the first half of the movie you find kirk very much like he is in trek 09 um but with an added layer of caring about people a little bit more But throughout this film, you find him being challenged with situations and foes who can end him on a whim. He loses his new father figure in Pike. Um, Then he loses his command. His relationship with Spock is challenged. And in anger, he rushes into things and dismisses people. And you see him learning from these things. You see him growing to a point where he's willing and does make a sacrifice for his crew. Something Kirk in the last movie wouldn't necessarily do. Kirk goes in the smooth grows in this movie and it shapes him into who he would be in *Truck beyond uh, to me you can't skip this uh this movie has so much growth for kirk and pine knocks it out of the park uh but then we also get benedict cumberbatch's Khan, which is to me a great villain he didn't try to impersonate ricardo montalban's great original performance this was fully his take on this on this character and i loved his take in terms of the physicality he showed he was superior he was a one he was a one man con class wrecking crew to klingons and starfleet alike and his performance just sitting perfectly straight sends you a different message about the guy how he showed like his his line delivery was cold it was arrogant it was chilling he showed his intellect through his body language and his dialogue um I loved his performance, especially in the scene where he's negotiating with Spock and then it's like, I will walk over your cold corpses to save my people. Now shall we begin? I loved that scene. Like, that was a highlight of the flick for me. Uh, Give me more Benedict Cumberbatch as gone. Seriously, I would love a a series. I know they'll never revisit it because it was super... um, Well, because the Kelvin timeline is kind of dead in the water, but i dug it i dug it a lot next up on the list is we're going back to the original series uh films and we are at star trek 6 the undiscovered country and this is my favorite uh second favorite of the original series of films it's the final adventure of the tos crew and it's a an interesting adventure and a great one for them to bow out on uh there's a great assassination plot there's seeds of distrust both the klingon and federation are doing some shady stuff um, and I love when you see the Federation doing some shady stuff, because as much as they're striving to be a utopia, they're still flawed people. Um, and they don't want to, they don't think they should be entering in peace together. The Klingons think that's weakness, and the Federation's like, you can't trust these warmongers. Um, the performances from all the cast are great. The special effects, with the exception of the 3D blood at one point, um, is, are all solid, and this is where it follows up um earlier i mentioned one of my gripes with searcher spock is when the klingon uh christopher lloyd kills kirk's son kirk is minorly upset but they don't really dive into his feelings this is the follow-up on that it shows how kirk hates the klingons for killing his son and the performance was great the writing was great it was really solid, and I'm like, finally, finally we're getting this. It sucks that it took three movies to get this. We could have used this a little bit earlier, but the delivery, the, the payoff was great. Um, it was also really cool to see Michael Dorn, who plays Worf, playing an ancestor of Worf um, when he was the advocate for Kirk and Bones. Honestly, there's not anything I don't like about this movie. It, as I said, it was a great note for the TS crew tos crew to bow out on all right up next we are jumping to the kelvin timelines uh, again for number three and two uh three is trek oh9 uh, aka just star trek but to distinguish it i just call it trek O9. um for me it was really really solid and it's one i liked a lot there's not much i don't like about it um okay there was points of almost nudity and i could have gone without that um but that's something that's been in Trek since Roddenberry was... It's been in Trek from the ground up. Uh, the cast is great. The score is fantastic. The characters are interesting and bullheaded. Um, a lot of people are like, that's not that character. But I'll disagree. There was a lot of traits of classic Kirk, classic TOS characters in these versions. Um, and the, the thing I like... One of the things I like it the most about it... Um, people will be like, well, Star Trek's not about action. Well, guess what? Action's been in Trek, again, since the original series. Um, Kirk Fu is a thing. Look it up. Uh, in the movies, action has been a big part of the movies since the Wrath of Khan, so don't at me about action not being in Star Trek flicks. It is. It's been here from day one. Um, and the nice thing was, the fighting finally looked good. <laughs> like... Kirkfu is what it is. Uh, I've joked in the past that whenever on Next Gen or DS9, whenever there's a fight going, it's always palm strikes because it's advanced martial arts or whatever. Here we finally get good fist fights. We get good fighting action. Um, There was fists, there was kicks, and there was swords, which was random, but it worked. Um, This isn't what it treks about, but it's something that's been here from the ground up. So it's something I, I've really enjoyed actually seeing. Um, the biggest strength for this movie, for me, though, is it the way the story handles um, that this is its own timeline and makes a clear statement about that. It's not rewriting Trek. Uh, people say it's a reboot. It's not. It's its own thing. Uh, if it was a true reboot, then it wouldn't have done the beginning where... They exp- like, or that part later where they explain, like, Spock, classic Spock came back, wouldn't have done any of that. It's its own thing. Uh, it is uh, both, a... it is, uh, you could say it's a reboot I guess we could go with that. Um, but it's not, it's not out and out rejecting everything that came before it. Uh, and that works. It freed itself from 53 years of continuity so the franchise can go into a different direction. Some don't feel this is necessary. But I understand why they thought they did. Again, Nemesis bombed out of theaters. Um, The viewer retention from season to season uh, and show to show was dropping. By the end, Like Enterprise was aimed to go to 7. It lasted 4 and it got axed. It was ready to get axed at 3. So this needed to appeal to a wider audience. And it worked. Uh, You can joke that this was J.J. Abrams' Star Wars demo reel and that's fair, but, and I know the lens flares got really distracting, but it, there's a great film in here, and for me, it's one of the best Trek flicks. But, it's not better than Star Trek Beyond. Star Trek Beyond, I put in my top three Trek flicks, um, and I know, again, controversial, but it is hands down the best of the Kelvin Timeline films. Um, yeah, Trek Beyond is great, and if you're not sure which one i'm talking about it's the one where they use the beastie boys song sabotage to help them to help the crew win a lot of people take issue with that uh i know christian pointed out ages ago on here that it worked uh it worked in the movie and it worked for this current iteration of trek on film and it's a reference to this current thing for me that was a celebration of where trek is I never thought I'd want Beastie Boys in Star Trek, but they made it work in the trailer for Trek 09, they made it work within Trek 09, and I was perfectly on board with their explanation of why it was in. It was harmless fun. Uh, so why does this one rank so much higher, uh, or not so much higher, well yeah, so much higher than Into Darkness, and then also higher than Trek 09? It's because it got to be its own thing. Trek Nine, for all its goodness, had to be the setup movie. Into Darkness, again, while enjoyable, was way too dialed into being the Wrath of Khan. It, as they were developing it, they really thought they had to redo it, and not in a disrespectful way, but it was. They got too dialed into honoring and recreating it in reverence. Um, Beyond finally got to be its own story. It was where the characters were at their best, where the movie it's. And sorry with the characters, like the movie itself, they were a great aval- amalgamation of what came before and what's currently happening. Kirk in this movie is at a crossroads and a great leader. The crew seems like a great family. It features so much good Trek stuff, including uniforms and ship designs from Enterprise, uh, an actual log and an actual log entry near the beginning, chock full of so many original series references the use of the female characters is at its absolute best in the three films uh they get the amazing balance of the kirk spock and mccoy relationship with all three but especially carl urban shines in that role in this uh in his interactions with spock in this movie uh the destruction of the enterprise again is a great scene and a gut punch we've seen the enterprise especially in the kelvin timeline Uh, take a beating before but we haven't seen it torn to shreds and apart like this the comedy is organic the new characters especially jayla work heck uh and again i thought the beastie boys thing worked it was a great nod to the current franchise i honestly can't think of anything i don't like about this movie it's it's one of the best truck movies overall for me don't at me too much about this (laughs) all right and then next up is a bit of a cheat. Uh, you'll notice I've, I've been doing 12 of them. Really, there's 13 Star Trek movies. And the reason I've narrowed it down to one is I cannot... Um, I cannot... It's an honest tie. Um, number one for me is an honest tie between Star Trek First Contact and Star Trek II The Wrath of Khan. Um, I legitimately love both of these, both of these movies. Let's go with the Wrath of Khan first. Um, out of it's the best out of the original the original series. It wasn't going to be anything else. Wrath of Khan is an amazing sequel. It fixes everything that everything wrong that came in the first movie and helped make sure there would be Trek for years to come on the big screen. It had a sense of adventure and brought in a great villain. Um, and Khan is up there with great Shrek villains with the Borg and Gul Dukat. Those are the three. Now, I know Borg is a species overall, but the Borg are awesome. Um, and Gul Dukat from DS9 is amazing. Um, there was some great and tense moments between Kirk and Khan. And especially that's especially well pulled off because the actors never actually shared a moment together in person there's a great moral conversation about playing god through the genesis device we get interesting new characters an exciting plot the gut punch of trek and scott and uh, spock sacrificing himself uh kirk figuring out old age as he's growing and then learning he has a son um the loss of a friend um there's so much good stuff in the wrath of khan wider film uh, aside from The Enterprise Strikes Back, the Wrath of Khan is the model for what a sequel should be. It improved upon what came before it, and it set the bar and the standard of quality for what was to come after it. and impacted and changed Trek for the better and is unquestionably the best movie of the TOS era. It's an expression of film. We're going to go Wrath of Khan on it. Um, Wrath of Khan is outstanding. With First Contact, it is unquestionably the best of the next generation of films and the the next generation films and for me it's honestly tied i i go back and forth at certain points over which one's better so that's why i have them tied um it is as good as wrath of Khan. it's a it's also one of the few trek films you can recommend to non non-trekkies It's, I wish First Contact was the first next generation movie. and I wish they could have gotten something close to its level for the crew to go out on. Uh, Incorporating the Borg, who are the best Trek villain species. Um, Going back in in time, Picard becoming obsessed. Riker on Earth with Cochrane, The Enterprise E looking awesome. The Battle of Sector 1 at the beginning. Worf yelling, perhaps it is a good day to die and prepare for ramming speed. And in general, the best use of, use of Worf in the next generation of next generation films. And, I'd argue, the best use of Worf in next generation in general. Um, Lily, the Earth character, played by Alfred, uh, Alfred Woolley. Um, sorry if I'm getting her name wrong. Um, her interaction with Picard and calling him out for basically becoming uh, Ahab... Uh, giving Voyager a shout-out with the EMH and DS9 a shout-out with the Defiant, Patrick Stewart giving a career performance for his Picard role. The balance with this cast is great. Even Barkley gets to show up, which was awesome. I guess if I have to... Like, I love so much about this movie. If I have to give some flaws, this is strictly a nitpick, because to me this isn't an actual flaw. It's just to recognize some people feel. Um some other truckies feel she was a bad idea uh the borg queen and the impact she the impact she had on the borg is debatable as to whether or not it's good or bad i don't think it's bad i just have to acknowledge that some people do and the the subplot subplot with the queen seducing data was okay it's not bad but it's one of those things on repeat viewings i'm the least interested in um but it is an amazing film the score is absolutely beautiful. It's probably my favorite Star Trek score, period. It's the one I go back to. It's the one I can listen to while I go, while I'm on the go. Uh, this is, it's the best of the next generation films and debatably the best of all Star Trek films. And, and that's why I side with Rathacon because Rathacon is amazing in its own right. These are These two are the elite tier of the Star Trek films. All right, dear listener, with all that being said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Um, I hope my rationales made sense. So if you disagreed with them, please don't at me. Um, let me know in the comments, what are how would you rank the Star Trek movies? I love talking about this because it can be fun if we're not yelling at each other. Um, yeah, no, uh, I'll say finally again, though, the thing with the whales is dumb. <laughs> all that being said, uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you for listening. Um, yeah, I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you for for listening, for keeping me and my family in your prayers and your continued support of One Cross Radio. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Take care and God bless my friends. Peace.